Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 6, Skin, premiered on October 18th, 2005, directed by Robert McNeil and written by John Shaban. We are... Natural, Natural friends. friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, they've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Supernatural friends. Supernatural friends. Remember, spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural. Sam and Dean abandoned whatever supernatural mission they were originally on to help out one of Sam's college friends by investigating a murder her brother was accused of perpetrating. It just so happens that the culprit was actually a shapeshifter, a problem only Sam and Dean could help with. The brothers pumped the shapeshifter full of silver bullets, but not before it used telepathy to reveal some of Dean's suppressed feelings towards Sam. I did pretty well. I think I stayed awake the whole time through this. <laughs> Chris, you're going to be giving us the status of your... (laughs) (laughs) I was wide awake through this episode the whole time. (laughs) That's great to hear, Bruce. Proud of you. So, since you were so wide awake, this episode starts with a little bit of a shocker. What did you think whenever you saw Dean's face turn after it looked like he had been assaulting that woman? So, I wrote down, oh man... He's a killer, but not really. Like, immediately, I was like, okay, we're starting this off. Obviously not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then immediately it goes to, like, flashback. I'm like, oh, we're going to at least figure out why he's holding the knife. That one didn't fool me. (laughs) But I'm curious to how we get there. But did you think it was actually him? Or did you know right away that something else was afoot? No, I think I thought it was him at the time. Because I was like, I could see him, like... (laughs) Maybe Picking there's an the explanation. Knife. Yeah. <laughs> there's a weird, like, he just picked up the knife and he's w- trying to get out or something. Maybe she's the monster. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the uh, the previously on. I um, I know we had talked about how this is it's really cool and it can, like, it catches you up really quick. But I thought it was weird that it doesn't show, like, it only shows a lot of stuff from the first episode. It really doesn't talk about anything from the past couple episodes that we talked about. Yeah, so there's a couple snippets from the second episode, but it's been the exact same previously on ever since episode three, which on the one hand is convenient for them, I guess, but it does kind of make you feel like you've been wasting your time watching the three episodes since. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. Like, if you just jumped in now, you're perfectly fine if you didn't see those last couple episodes. (laughs) Just keep watching the beginning of episodes until the previously on is different and then go back and watch that episode. I actually wonder, though, so this is episode six, right? Mm -hmm. And these past three episodes, at some point they stopped, I guess it was episode two or three, they stopped tracking down their dad. They kind of lost the trail, and they just kind of determined to hunt down supernatural things. Is that in the previously on of, like, we can't find our dad, but in the meantime, you know, like, so that must be a bit confusing for new watchers. We go to one week earlier, and... Our brothers are on their way to Bisbee, Arizona, for the purpose that we never find out. Did they not mention it? 
No, they never said why they were going. Um, and I'm fairly certain it never comes up again. So whatever it was supposed to be, I think they just abandoned it. I just, I really like to picture that, that story going on at the same time of like, oh, we called our old friend Sam and Dean to help us out with this poltergeist that's killing people every day. And, but I, they called me, they were about half a day's drive out when they, when they let me know that they were turning around to help a college friend, whatever. (laughs) So they pull into that gas station and I thought it was, uh, so I like to look at gas prices when they show up on things. Did anybody catch the gas prices on that? No. It was like around two fifty. Yeah, it was like two forty, two fifty. And I thought that how interesting that was because like we are literally in the same exact price range now, like thirteen years later. I mean it's averaged about I mean Pennsylvania has averaged about the same. I just think that's neat because I think Hurricane Katrina was around that time, roughly. Yeah, yeah. It was uh four months before this. Yeah, I, so I think I think uh, so. Gas prices were definitely skyrocketing at the time. I just thought that was neat. So while Sam's sitting in the car, uh, he has a Palm Pilot now. Yeah, nice PDA nerd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was weird. Like he's just reading his emails on. Well, this he Palm can't Pilot. check them on his laptop. But yeah, he's checking the email with his friends, and he finds this email from Becca, which gave us a couple pieces of info. First of all, the email was sent on December 5th. So assuming that he read this email fairly quickly, we're about one month from the show starting. So they are following the timeline, but ignoring seasons. Because <laughs> we already determined that with the lake. Yeah, pretty much. And, and now there's no sign of winter or Christmas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. So we're early December. And then we find out that Sam's email address starts with lawboy at... <laughs> and then they they blur out everything after the at. And um, they got really creative with Becca's uh, email address. So if anyone doesn't remember, Becca is the name of Sam's friend's little sister. Her email address is lilsis at something blurred out. <laughs> Lil That's sis. fantastic. So Casey, did you see anything else about the emails? Nope. All right. Why? I just thought it was interesting that they email back and forth now. There were other emails. One of them is uh, WTF. Are you like, where are you guys? Oh, no. <laughs> um, let me see if I can find. Okay. Sam's contacts include. Actually, I'm going to give this person credit. This is from jonescave.com slash supernatural. It's a <laughs> fan website. And it says, Sam's contacts include Jerry Wanick, or Wanick and John Marcinuk, both named after production designers for Supernatural. Also, Marianne Leo and Stanislava Schmicken, both <laughs> named after graphic designers for Supernatural. Dean and Sam have a really interesting conversation uh, while he's pumping gas. Is he pumping gas then? Or are they just hanging out in the parking lot at that point? No, he's, he's pumping. Okay, <laughs> that makes more sense why he's just standing there. They sit there and talk about why they should go back to St. Louis. And I just thought it was an interesting conversation about the how you have to disconnect yourself from people, how he's like lying to his friends. Which side would you guys fall on? I was just about to say, I'm on, I'm on Dean's side here. Bruce? I See, that's a hard one. Because if you're lying and you're making up things, you don't really have a genuine relationship with these people. Like, you're just making up things as you go. 
But at the same time, if you go into like the Peter Parker Spider-Man thing, like you start telling them what you're doing and whatnot, people or I'm sure you're gonna make worse enemies down the line can come after your friends. Doc Ock. Yeah. <laughs> For me it's not even uh keeping them safe. It's mostly like they, they won't believe you anyway. So like just don't even bother and just vanish. Which is <laughs> terrible, but that's that's the life of a hunter, I think. Yeah. Um I'd like to think that I would be great at keeping up communication enough to be able to lie to these people, but I know myself enough that I'm just bad at talking to people <laughs> and it wouldn't even be an issue. <laughs> yeah, I definitely text your wife to get a hold of you sometimes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> While he's talk- talking him into going to this um, house or when they get to the house, Dean qu- keeps questioning Sam why they're there. Uh, they say we've looked into less is, is Sam's response and I thought it was funny because I can't remember the conversation or which episode it was but they definitely had like flipped conversation where was it Sam where he was like when, when has it ever been a freak medical thing right right when, when is it it was last episode yeah for Bloody Mary okay. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting like uh, flipping that where it's like no we've looked into less things yeah so that is my, one of my problems with this episode though is they have this argument about doing this or not doing this this doesn't sound like our kind of problem and of course it is their kind of like it just it's like the opposite of uh pronunciation deus ex machina it's like you want to explain what that is conveniently oh god no because it's the opposite anyway (laughs) but it's it's like um for this situation it's like you you have this problem which is convenient for the plot of the show but like it does not make sense that you happen to have this problem see i always hate this complaint about anything though it's too convenient well if it didn't happen there wouldn't be a show so yeah some things are going to be convenient (laughs) well for me i see you could still have the show you could even have this episode my problem is like all you have to do is say essentially more detail in the email to say my brother was arrested for murder he absolutely didn't do this i don't know how he showed up on the camera. He was with me the whole time. He has a doppelganger or something. And then it sounds supernatural. Like, oh, maybe we should look into this. Not just, my brother's arrested for murder. Oh, we should look into that. <laughs> nope, he's probably a murderer. Same time, like, they clearly have good detection detective skills. And, like, I mean, they can help people who aren't dealing with supernatural things at this point. That's probably because Dean is a detective in Bisbee, Arizona. <laughs> that's right i really enjoyed that little bit of passive aggressiveness from dean where he's helping along with the lie but calling sam out for the fact that they didn't go to bisbee that's really good so they go in and break into zach's house which is an active crime scene can you just do that no you can't which is why they get in trouble later um do they just leave crime scenes like that with blood all over the place it's <laughs> a great question so while they're at the house i was Wondering why are these dogs barking in the background? Just bark, bark, bark. Who would have thought? Chekhov's dog. Chekhov's dog. It kind of like it was like a clue, but it also like was more or less unnecessary. If they didn't have the dog, they were still gonna stumble upon the same conclusion. Right. I think it's more of a world building type of thing. Like right now in this episode, we are setting a standard that dogs have a sensitivity to supernatural things 
So I've started to notice things just because I keep watching with the subtitles. And anytime something comes up subtitle wise, it means it's important. So even though there were just dogs barking in the back, it made sure to point out to me that there were dogs barking. And so like, I'm like, Oh, that, that means something. (laughs) And it's, it it sucks sometimes because it does spoil things sometimes, not specifically this episode, but I've had other ones where they'll put the name of a person and you're like, Oh, I didn't know that's what they were called. Like, (laughs) I forgot to mention the opening scene. The unfortunate thing about watching the first season on Netflix is that a majority of the music has changed. That song, whenever the SWAT team's first going into the house in the opening scene, used to be mm-hmm. Indigata DeVita. Oh. And that whole scene was a reference to the movie Manhunter. You guys ever see Manhunter? Oh. No. Nope, but I love the song. So Manhunter was the first Hannibal Lecter movie. It was before he was played by Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that sounds yeah, so cool. It was still a Hannibal Lecter movie, and that pretty much exact same scene played out with a SWAT team going in to the song Indigata DeVita. So it's kind of a nice homage to the movie Manhunter, which we no longer get to see because of licensing issues, which is a little unfortunate. I noticed it this episode more than any other, and I don't know if it's like a faded memory in the, in the recesses of my mind or what, but I noticed this episode, the music felt off, and I don't know if it's because I vaguely remember what it was supposed to be or if it just doesn't match. And This episode in particular felt wrong. They discover what they're actually chasing down is a shapeshifter. Bruce, what did you think about the shapeshifter? The shapeshifter is definitely used throughout a lot of different movies and television and books. And it it's something that you run in fairly often. I like it as like a fun story. Like, haha, we didn't know it was him. Haha, do other people know it was him? You don't know who could be him so there's just a lot of like fun surprises and fun along the way i don't think i could use this as a long-term villain i think of mystique a lot during this especially when he goes later into his like reasoning for killing people just the whole like x-men vibe but just like it's fun but at the same time like what else is there you turn into somebody else so that's cool (laughs) can't turn into a tank or whatever greg you want to tell us about the lore behind shapeshifters? Yeah, I do. Um, it was actually quite frustrating. First, we'll just start off with the, the definition from Supernatural Wiki. Shapeshifting, also known as transformation or transmogrification, is a change in the form or shape of a person, especially a change from human form to animal form or a change in appearance from one person to another. Due to having human impulses and desires, shapeshifters are not driven by an instinct like the monsters and spirits we've already run into. They commit their acts by choice. Which I thought was an, an interesting aspect of, of this week's monster is, is he wasn't killing because he had to. At least, it wasn't just instinct for him to kill people. The concept of shapeshifting spans many different cultures over a very long history, so there's just a lot of information about shapeshifting in general such as werewolves, vampires, skinwalkers, and of course, animorphs. All of these are specifically transmogrifying into an animal and back. I could hardly find anything of human to human. And Bruce, you pointed out it happens a lot. And I would, I guess I would just say it's modern fiction. So like sci-fi TV shows and movies, but it is not in lore or um, folktales, human to human specifically. 
It's always a werewolf or Dracula turning into a bat or the the frog princess, like all these random things, but not, oh, there's this guy and we never know who he is because he can change at will. So I'm, I was kind of amazed that there weren't more examples of that. And I guess it's just more of a modern idea. Most notable examples I have found are Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Tonks from Harry Potter, and as you already said, Mystique from X-Men. So with that in mind, I, I did give them credit for creating sort of an original creature. Like you said, we, we've had a lot of shapeshifting in the past, but they have their own lore-based shapeshifter, I guess you could say. It is very similar to Mystique, as you already alluded to, but it's different in two key ways. First, this guy has telepathy, so he can read the minds of his victims and know all their information. And second, it physically changes its skin and undergoes a grotesque transformation, which all the X-Men comics and movies would be very different if Mystique did that. <laughs> According to Supernatural Wiki, shapeshifters can be killed with silver, as we've seen, but also by decapitation. So Bruce, if you ever come across one and you don't have any silver bullets, just uh, hack at it. And finally, on a related note, guys, this is serious. I found a video that exposes Britney Spears as some sort of shapeshifter. <laughs> Very likely a lizard person. During an interview, her irises seem to quickly change shape and then quickly change back. Unfortunately, if you look at the original video of the original interview, it looks fine. But the truth seekers out there are quick to tell us that is the official video. That doesn't make it the original video. Um, our, our truth seekers have the original video and Britney Spears <laughs> is a shapeshifter the one very cool thing that I think they did with the shapeshifter in this episode was the transformation scene my goodness body horror to the extreme it was that was gross it was so <laughs> awesome and they've said that they were inspired by the transformation scene in an American werewolf in London um, have you guys ever seen that scene? No, I've never seen nope. the movie. Um, so we'll link it in the episode notes, but it's all like very practical. He's um, kneeling on the floor, screaming in pain as he's transforming into the werewolf. Um, so you can clearly see the inspiration in the scene with the shapeshifter. Uh, really cool, but they take it to another level here with ripping off his skin and oh, it was good. His teeth. Yeah, it's so good. It's like it's bleeding, right? Like uh -huh. His mouth was like bleeding during it so good i really liked the practical effects aspect of it because that entire scene the whole time you're like that'd be pretty easy to do practically but it's still like it still gets to you like it's not it doesn't pull you out of it at all it's it's just as gruesome to watch yeah i was squirming in my seat the whole time like, <laughs> like yeah and with how grotesque it was and with him leaving like the skin behind it gives that shapeshifter a reason to actually need a layer to do his transformations inside of adding that gave them another reason to build this cool layer set which we had some fun in which was cool to see and obviously the layer was in the sewer to do that we had to lift some manholes do you guys know, oh, know yes. how heavy a sewer grate is it's really heavy <laughs> 300 pounds uh right about yeah they were between 250 and 300 pounds the brothers together could probably lift it whenever they needed to get down to the sewers yeah i believe that but then the shapeshifter whenever he pushes it out of his way whenever he's escaping from the sewer to run away from them this thing's strong 
My goodness. Scary strong. Yeah. So when he's he's fighting Sam at some point in, before he's getting in the car, you do see him like be extraordinarily strong, like just in the fighting alone. Yeah. So I I got the sense that it was stronger than the average human. During that scene when they're trying to catch the shapeshifter and they're just running around with their guns. Do you guys see what Dean does with his gun? Does he put it in his bag of holding? He puts it in his magic pocket. You bet. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Um, whenever they come out of the sewer, Sam clearly is just trying, holding his hand inside of his jacket, trying to conceal his gun. Dean tucks his into a pocket on the inside of his jacket, which <laughs> could make sense as it, like you can't actually build a holster into the inside of a jacket. Um, so that could be a reasonable explanation for what he's doing. But I mean, we know we've seen him reach into that pocket time and time again. So we know there's just a pocket in there just holding everything. Including I think our explanation is just a little more reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> pocket of holding. Oh, and um, if you guys didn't see before that, Sam definitely holsters a gun in the back of his pants. So these guys have everything in that trunk. They don't have a gun holster no, anywhere no in there. <laughs> in case they have to yes. ditch the gun, they can't be left a hol- with a holster. Oh my gosh. I was like, there's everything. A laptop. A... Palm Pilot. But you don't have I've never considered holster. that. All those guns, no gun, gun holster. <laughs> As he's jumping out of the sewer, when he does push the man come over, you just, well, number one, in the middle of the night, that park had a lot of foot traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody questions the fact that this guy just like launched a cover out, jumped out of the mantle, and then two more people come up behind him. Like everybody just casually walks by. <laughs> I just loved it. And that part did make me appreciate it all the more whenever Dean just says, screw it, and starts running around with his gun just out in the open. <laughs> and people do actually notice and like back away from him. They're like um, Grand Theft Auto npcs just like they'll they'll have a slight reaction and then go on about their day <laughs> so around this part dean gets taken by the shapeshifter and the shapeshifter takes his place and sam right away notices which was very intuitive of sam because as we said the shapeshifter was able to create this telepathic link it did take dean's memories but sam he notices everything and saw caught it with his left hand that shoulder should have been injured not my brother. He also asked him if he had the keys. Was that also a hint that he wasn't him because Sam never drives? That's what I thought it was going to be, but he did end up having the keys. Oh, he actually did. Oh, that's right. Okay. It might have just been because oh, Dean would know if Sam had the keys. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was a little put off by that entire scene, mostly just because everything happened so quickly that if this was a movie and they had more time, it could have been really good tension. Multiple times. So first, when the fake Dean shows up, you have just enough time to speculate, oh, that's probably a fake Dean. And by the time you have that thought, headlight flash, oh, it definitely is fake Dean. There's no tension of like whether or not it's fake Dean. Then it's like, okay, well, now we know it's fake Dean, but there's still that tension of we know, but does Sam know? Will Sam figure it out? Immediately, Sam figures it out. Like, oh, that's... And then right at the end, it's like, okay, well, Sam suspects it but maybe he's not quite sure oh he knocked him out he definitely it's it's over (laughs) and it just happens so quick 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 it could have been really interesting television but then it would have been too dragged out so when my boy dean is uh taken by the uh shapeshifter we've we've got a bit of a continuity issue guys dean should be naked should he so it's been established from uh 
the second victim in the episode, that he stole his clothes. And they kind of half do it with Dean. He steals his jacket and he steals his necklace. But he happens to wear the same gray shirt and jeans that Dean was wearing. But no, I I say go all in, make Dean naked in the suit. (laughs) Fair. Just wishful thinking. So the shapeshifter takes Sam back to his lair. And I think here they use the shapeshifter in a really interesting way to show Dean's internal conflict about the way he's feeling about Sam. All these thoughts and feelings that we would never see from Dean because we know he's a little bit repressed. But suddenly we get this really interesting way to get this look into everything that Dean's feeling. Because we hear from Sam all the time how he's feeling, but not so much from Dean. Yeah, I thought that was very good. And like made for some is basically conflict between Dean and Sam that you wouldn't get without this entity. So that was really interesting. It also develops Dean a little bit more, just allowing him to you're like, okay, he's not just this one dimensional guy who just cares about his dad and that's it kind of thing. So it's like. Yeah, and these random <laughs> girls that he's seeing every single time. I don't know. He's hasn't been doing well with a girl. <laughs> Not lately. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a little rough. Um, yeah, you just get it, it develops him just a little bit more as a character. I, I did like that a lot. Find out that he's jealous and lonely. That's why he goes after the girls now. <laughs> <laughs> Fills that void. <laughs> I really like this episode because it showed the brothers separate a lot. This wasn't a team go after everything. They were doing individual things a lot. And you got to see their strengths kind of peak rather than working off of each other. Like you said, you saw Sam's like detective skills like, oh, that's not really my brother. And then Dean's very, he's very good with like figuring out problem solving as he goes. So I was just, it's just really, I, I enjoy because like, it's like when you take the suit off of Iron Man, like what, what can they do when they don't have other person to work off of what what happens kind of thing yeah and we get some of that separation whenever they go to get the car or they go to get the weapons out of the car and they get surrounded by the cops and sam makes dean run away so he doesn't get caught and he takes all the heat and that's where they initially get separated and here's where things start to rush a lot we get through so much plot so quickly (laughs) so dean decides to go to the sewer alone and then yes. we see Sam on Becca's couch. Yeah. And then we see Dean in the lair and he finds Becca in the lair. So, oh no, the shapeshifter's Becca. So we go back and then Sam gets hit in the head by shapeshifter Becca. Okay. And now, oh, the shapeshifter's Dean again, harassing Sam. Okay. Oh, and now it's dead. So during this, I definitely had a hard time figuring out which Dean was which because like I was like, wait, is that is that the brother? Or is that the shapeshifter? But I wrote that the eye, they use the eye as like a like, oh, that's the shapeshifter because it like does the weird like yellow blink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we completely glossed over. How did Sam get away from the cops? Yeah. You, you know, he, he throw away line says they can't hold me. It's like, well, they, they could hold you for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. You know, he just used his super law powers to get out of it, I guess. That's fair. He does have super law powers. That's right. But even assuming that, then we also gloss over. So Becca, Becky, Becca is shapeshifter Becca. But assuming she wasn't and Sam didn't know she was shapeshifter Becca. He just showed back up at this person's house who was super mad at him. And just like, and then was chilling in her living room. Like, what happened there? And like, again, it's shapeshifter Becca, but he didn't know that. That was uh, also glossed over. Wild. 
So maybe these police in this area are just not very good. They leave crime scenes <laughs> just wide open with blood everywhere. Oh, and yeah, they... and then <laughs> Sam, or Dean's able to go straight back to the car the and get car. everything out of it. Right, because the car's <laughs> yes. just sitting there still. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, he won't be back. <laughs> I. Uh, it was funny that when they went to the car the first time, it, it felt logical to me. As soon as the the cops showed up, I was like, well, that was stupid. And it's like, I it was stupid, but I was with them. Like, it it didn't cross my mind that they might be waiting for the killer to show back up to his car. <laughs> nope. They're done with it. They got the guy who didn't do it, so they didn't need yeah. it anymore. What did you guys think about the fight scene at the end? So good. So good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, my man, so I... <laughs> I feel like I'm being too picky, but it's also like I didn't have to think very hard to be this picky is you already mentioned it. Suddenly he's Dean again. And like the fight scene between Sam and Dean, awesome, just like it was in the first episode. But why? Why? You know, he could have been fighting Becca, which wouldn't have made as fun of a fight scene, I guess. But it doesn't make sense in the plot as to why he changed back, especially with how difficult it must be well, to change. It It does. And it, he does kind of explain it of it's to make sure that Dean gets hunted for the rest of his life after being accused of killing okay. his own brother. Yeah. Um, and then also in like the meta plot ex- aspect of the show, they have to find a way to clear Dean after he's been accused of murder already. <laughs> yeah. And the way they do that is making sure the shapeshifter is killed in Dean's body so that he can be buried and Dean is now dead in the show. Which is fortunate that when you kill a shapeshifter, I'm just now realizing it doesn't have a true form that it goes back to. Right. It just stays. That's good. Yeah. Apparently, Jared and Jensen were so good at learning this fight scene that whenever the editor was putting it together, the only shots that aren't Jared and Jensen are whenever one of them gets thrown into the bookshelf and one of them gets thrown onto the coffee table. Everything else, he decided to just use the actors instead of the stunt doubles, which is pretty cool. Is there like a fight choreographer during this do you think yeah or is it just okay yeah there is do you think it's the same one that did the initial fight scene by this point um i'm gonna guess no i Um, I don't know the answer but probably not Um, a lot of the crew had to change over um the pilot was filmed in la then everything after that was filmed in vancouver Um, so a lot of the crew had to switch it just felt very well shot just felt very clean and you know it wasn't just yeah yeah which a lot of that was because the editor was able to use the shots of jared and jensen and didn't have to try to hide the faces and everything of the stunt doubles. okay yeah so normal you'd have to like cut out a lot of stuff and like splice and boom. yeah so the shapeshifter's dead you guys uh did you catch any loose ends in this episode there's a man sitting in jail for attempted murder and he's just gonna continue to go no, to prison they talked about it no they explain it yeah, yeah. that guy no they they explained away Zach. Oh, yeah. The they guy? blamed it on this Dean Winchester guy. But the other guy, he was in the house, knocked unconscious, supposedly attempting to uh, kill his wife, who survived and is going to point at him. Oh, he, he's just in jail forever now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, <laughs> poor that guy. Guy's, that guy's gonna rock. <laughs> well, it, he, his was only attempted murder, so he'll be out. Yeah, in. he might be out by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking about this guy, did you guys just wonder anything whenever you were looking at him? Like maybe? Yeah, I said, hey, who is that? <laughs> who is that 
that guy. <laughs> so our guy rotten away in prison, who was accused of attempted murder, his character's name was Alex, and he was played by Peter Shinkoda. Hey, who is that? So Peter Shinkoda, look, looking through his IMDb credits, not really anything too outstanding. He's been in a ton of stuff, 63 credits, but the one that our listeners out there will probably recognize the most is from a little Netflix show called Daredevil. He played Nobu. And then we also have someone else who hasn't had a lot of roles, but there's a pattern to them. So whenever we see Dean's Dean's police sketch on the TV in the shop window, we see a news anchor. That news anchor is played by Merritt Green. Hey, who is that? So Merritt Green, and I couldn't find any more information about who he really is or how this whole thing started. Um, He has 31 acting credits to his name. All of which, except for, I don't know, maybe two or three outstanding ones, he plays a news anchor or a reporter (laughs) every single time. That's a fun job. This guy has played a news anchor probably (laughs) at least 25 times. That's amazing. He appeared on 23 episodes of Arrow as a TV reporter. Smallville, TV news announcer, Supernatural, Anchorman, iRobot, news reporter, The Twilight Zone, TV anchor person, X2, X-Men United, news reporter, Final Destination 2, Anchorman, Slapshot 2, reporter, Strange Frequency, Political analyst, it doesn't stop. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. See you next time on Hey, who's that? So I forgot to do this last week, but the monster body count. So last week I thought what? I'm sorry, we we had a discussion when oh, <laughs> when that demon <laughs> plowed a plane into the ground, yeah. you decided it was all over. But I'm I'm all for the body count. Still cool to hear it. Bloody Mary last week she killed. Just doing it off the dome here. One, two people. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So Bloody Mary killed two people last week, and this week our shapeshifter only killed one. Lame. Yeah, uh, one murder, one attempted murder. Yeah. So, oh well. Maybe next time someone will defeat the disaster demon and kill more than ninety-five people. and this episode also featured the brothers being caught in a lie again specifically about their uh fake job yeah i like it that it's turning into a trope now of how often they're caught it's every single every single time yeah is there any time they got away with it pilot no wendigo no dead in the water no Phantom Traveler, no. Bloody Mary, no. Wow. That's a, that's a bad track record. Yeah. And what I like about it, though, is is on the surface, you might ask, well, why do they keep trying? But it does work. It buys them time, and it gets them what they want at the moment, and then they have to deal with the aftermath. There's also hasn't really been any aftermath, has there? Well, like, have they gotten in trouble in- for this yet? Oh, they're being arrested the one time. They were arrested once. They were chased after by Homeland Security. Uh, and then Sam's friend was really mad at him, but then everything was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and now Dean was wanted by the police, but he's dead. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, aren't you dead? <laughs>
So, reviews? So this week, I give this episode 7 shapeshifters out of 10. Because as you've already heard, I have quite a few complaints about this episode. They could have been more convincing with a reason to go back to St. Louis. But I do concede, actually we didn't talk about this earlier, is that going back without a full supernatural reason is probably just a way to demonstrate Sam's character of like, he wants to be there for his friends. So I'll concede that, but it for me it still doesn't logically make sense and I don't I don't approve of it. <laughs> Second, there was too much plot for the time allotted. If they had more time, they could have built up tension with this plot of a, a shapeshifter. You don't know who it is. Shapeshifter kind of does a bit of a killing James Bond thing where he's just chatting with Sam and it cuts the commercial break and it comes back and Sam's like chilling, laying on the ground. <laughs> And he just ran, uh, the shapeshifter randomly stabs the table instead of stabbing Sam. Like, I don't know what his plan was. (laughs) And then Sam jumps into action. And if a knife was stabbed into a table, that is exactly what you should do. But it doesn't make sense that that had happened. Finally, this shapeshifter, I talked about how it's, it's human based and, and therefore it doesn't have an instinctual need to kill. So I need more of a motive. They they don't really go over it. They talk about him kind of feeling like a freak and whatnot, but it's also like, take the, the second victim in this episode, the attempted murder, where you're pretending to be her husband. You just tie her up and attempt to kill her. Like, what what is your end game? Why are you killing people? If it was a, oh, you don't love me, so I'll kill you thing, you were pretending to be that person's husband she loved you for a second at least i don't know what's going on with this monster's motive so that um grinded my gears i guess this episode was almost a six but the redeeming factors were definitely the shots of the transformation the practical effects the fact that it was a semi-original monster talked about how it was similar to mystique but they had some differences and then the cherry on top is this is the the first time that dean takes off his shirt and i don't know if it's true but i read that it was because fans were asking for it. they really wanted it because fans will be fans so this is the first time dean takes off his shirt and then immediately he starts tearing off his skin <laughs> so i could just picture someone super excited oh my god he's doing <laughs> oh my god so that was just the cherry on top so that bumped it up to a seven I gave a six and a half out of 10 Winchesters. Like I said, the shapeshifter storyline in general is always fun. You know, it gives you that mysterious, like, who is it? You know, where could they be? They could be anyone. I enjoyed that they explored the brother relationship a little bit deeper than just on the surface. Like that we get to hear Dean's like feelings and whatnot uh, towards Sam because we'd never get to really see that side quite yet. I enjoyed the brother part, but I also enjoyed that they got to be separate for a little bit and kind of uh, show their strengths, particularly Sam, who's able to like think through a lot of things and doesn't just go guns a blazing. I gave it a six and a half out of 10 and I, I, I haven't given anything lower than a seven, I think at this point. So I felt I was like, uh. but we never talked about dad. There's literally no, I don't even know if there's a mention of him in this one, the girlfriend, because the last episode had that creepy, like the girlfriend standing on the corner in the dress and there was something else, right? There was something really big that happened last episode. Premonition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so he's seeing things and we just have no mention of it. Like we come from this episode and we want to like, Oh, what, what, what can you give us? What can you tell us about it? Nothing. They tell us nothing about it. And like you said, Greg, the, the motive of the shapeshifter killing, like I love a good villain. I love a villain that I can sympathize with. I love a good villain that I understand why he's doing it. And, uh, I just, uh, I don't know. It was it was fun, but it just nothing. Not, not a whole lot thrilled me. The fight scenes were awesome, but just as a story as a whole, it was six and a half out of ten Winchesters. All right, let me just get this part out of the way. Seven and a half out of ten. You guys said some of the issues with it. It was very rushed, especially towards the end. I think the first like two thirds of the episode did a really nice job building the story, and then we just kind of had to rush through the third act to get to the resolution we wanted to get to. But the technical side of the episode between the fight scene, the practical effects, all of that really brought up the score for me. But I want to talk about this monster's motivation a little bit. All right. So whenever he kidnaps Becca, he says to her, I got to do what I got to do. This monster is just a straight up serial killer. Serial killers do not have a motivation. They have a compulsion. That's a good point. Okay. I... I disagree, though. I don't think he's a serial killer. I think at a certain point, he is talking about how everyone treats him badly. So he might, I mean, we might call him a serial killer. I'll take that back. But he, now that I'm saying it out loud, he does have a motive. It's because everyone was treating him badly and treating him different because of the way he looks. I don't think that's his motive right now. That is just kind of his background of how he feels he was treated when he was younger. But right now, he spots a woman on the street and he gets this compulsion to torture her and kill her. I, you, you make a good point, Casey, and, and I will concede, like, we should view him as just a, a, a serial killer. <laughs> what made me think he should have a motive is what Bruce was mentioning, is is how the shapeshifter was uh, was talking about his past and almost, almost getting you to sort of sympathize with him, but then it just falls flat. So that's fine if we call him a serial killer and that's it. But then I think that should have just been cut out. I, no, it's, I don't want it's that. It's because he's a sociopath. He thinks that his experiences are something that other people are going to sympathize with. But whenever you hear it, it does fall flat because this guy's perspective is just completely out of whack. Okay. So do you think that story even has any truth to it? Do you think he just says it just to... I think to him, it it is true. But he's trying to use it in a way to sympath- to get Becca to sympathize with him, which just doesn't work. She can see right through it because he is a sociopath serial killer who needs no motivation. All right. All right. I'll give it to you. It's still a seven, I but I'll motivation. give it to you. <laughs> Thank you. you any, any other points you want to lay the smack down on? No. Next week on Supernatural, we're watching Season 1, Episode 7, Hookman. In a small town in Iowa, Sam and Dean encounter the infamous Hookman, the spirit who kills his victims with a shiny hook that serves as his hand. So, Bruce, what do you think is going to happen next? I'm sticking to the Finding Dad by Episode 12. However, I'm starting to see a little bit of a pattern here with uh, the season in particular. We kind of like, big story, you know, and then we kind of have a couple episodes that are kind of just fun. And then we have another big reveal. So I'm going to guess next episode, I think that's also going to be a pretty similar episode where we just kind of just have a story. Um, I hope that Dean is more open about how he's feeling. But again, I don't think that's going to happen in the next episode. 
I think his jealousy is going to come out at least in the midseason, if not the finale. That's going to be a part I can see them having a lot of tension because of that. And I put that, I think, so wacky uh, prediction. I think Sam is going to eventually have to talk with his girlfriend about what's going on. I think he's she's going to manifest herself and he's going to have to like apologize to her for not keeping her safe and things like that. And possibly the same with mom. So do you think anything's going to come of Dean technically being dead slash accused of attempted murder? I like to think that that's going to be important, but for some reason it felt like a very throwaway plot device. Okay. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at naturalfriendspodcast. Thank you to our fans and our wives for your continuous support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thank you for joining us. We are Natural Natural Friends. Friends. Love you guys.